0: Good afternoon, Monday edition of the Steve Jones Show, April 15, 2019. News Radio 1070 yes. WKOK.
1: Patriots Day Patriots Day in Massachusetts. Tax Day for everybody else. And uh, at the bottom of the hour, top of the hour, we'll keep everybody uh, up to date through CBS News about the incredible fire that appears to have d- destroyed Notre Dame in uh, Paris. Wow. I don't know if you've seen the pictures of that or not, but it is
0: unbelievable. Yeah, they're just discussing that in the uh, top of the hour news from CBS just with all you know with the uh uh just all the wood and all the uh, yes. you know, the classic uh, you know, you know architecture that's in the inside of that building. I mean, that's all that'll won't all right. last long if the if the ambers keep going.
1: No. No, exactly. Which, which is not. a shame. So right, exactly. Uh it, it is um Ah. Awful. Awful. I think is only the only way you can describe it is awful. Speaking of which, uh of awful, how's the suit doing? I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, that was suit's <laughs> <laughs> so doing well. Sends his like best. Oh, yeah.
0: Actually, about an hour ago I ran into Greg Wetzel, told me to tell you hello. Oh, Greg, oh there's there's
1: one of the great guys going. Yeah. Uh and also a guy that actually can play. Right. Uh so that's good. <laughs> the blue-white game on Saturday, we're going to talk with Rich Scarcella in just a few moments. Yep. We're going to talk to yep. Jerry Dulac today about Tiger Woods, and then we'll get a recap. Uh, King is going to be on the show to talk about the Bucknell spring game. At what, 435? Does that that sound is right? correct,
0: yep. We'll get on the horn with Rich here in a couple
1: seconds. Yeah, we'll talk to him in just a few moments. Yeah, uh, Get his read on the blue-white game Saturday, and then we'll get to Tiger Woods, which there are very few transcendent figures Although I had I had to laugh, I had to laugh yesterday. The the turnover run into Beaver Stadium. Now they raised four hundred fifty thousand dollars for Special Olympics yesterday, and I'm on the field because after I'm done emceeing and then Franco gets up and he starts. Franco Harris starts the race. Uh, we go into the stadium and I just spend a few minutes there, whatever. In the stadium, you know, maybe, you know, a couple hundred people cross the finish line. Then I start to slip out, and somebody came up to me and they said, How's the suit? <laughs>
0: really? This is no joke.
1: No joke. <laughs> All right. So, immediately at that point, that individual was drug tested. All right. So, right. we'll come back. <laughs> We'll come back with Ritz Garcello in a moment on News Radio ten seventy WKOK. Okay. Hi, this is Steve Jones, inviting you to be part of the 28th Annual Truman H. Birdie Memorial Golf Tournament to benefit the greater Susquehanna Valley YMCA. We'll kick off the event with a special broadcast on WKOK Tuesday, May 7th, starting at 3 at Penn's Tavern, south of Sunbury. Then Wednesday, May 8th, at the Susquehanna Valley Country Club, golf the morning or afternoon flight, four-person scramble and win great prizes. To sign up your team today and for more information, call the Sunbury Y at 570-286-5636. And we did the same thing as a, a highlight package for our Chicotamy High School football. We used an extra point. All right, so uh, what? We thought it was the suit's best call. That one game, it
0: was. Yes, but that was not Rich. the award. That was not the award winner. So make that clear.
1: Yeah, you know, the one we used for the ward one was a false start. All right, so let's – I think they're going to back them up five. Uh, let's bring in Rich Garcella from the Redding Eagle, my good friend. It is great to hear from you. How are you, Steve? I'm doing very well, and thanks for the time today because I know your time is a bit limited. Uh, look, you can make certain – you can't make a lot of judgments out of a blue-white game, no. but what, what struck you about it? Start. I want to start with Noah Kane, obviously, because this is different. This is not Eric Heffelfinger, with all mm-hmm. due respect, who was a good mm-hmm. scout team running back, running mm-hmm. for 95 yards. This was a scholarship guy getting his first exposure in Beaver Stadium doing what he did.
2: Yeah, yeah, he was impressive. I mean, it was you know, it's, I'm not a big fan of covering the blue eye game. I understand the whole thing behind it, and I and I get it. But I I, I do. There are things that you. There are very few things you can take from, and that was a big takeaway it was the fact that Noah Kane performed so well, uh, particularly um, you know consistently. It wasn't just one run it was. He looked really good, and he showed flashes of speed and he tackles. And, you know, I thought he was really impressive. Uh, bigger picture, I think it, it tells you the kind of depth that Penn State and James Frank have developed in the last couple of years. That this guy is an incoming freshman, and, and he's got to beat out two pretty good scholarship running backs to to, to, uh, to get in the mix, and, and that tells you a lot about about where Penn State is at regarding its depth.
1: Uh, also, another one would probably be Keaton Ellis. You probably had your first real long look at him as he played corner. What did you think of him?
2: Yeah, I think he's obviously been around the ball all spring. That's what we've heard, and yeah. that, there was no exception to that. Um, you know, on Saturday, that he, you know, he, again, he's going to fight his way up, to, up through the depth chart to get on the field. But he certainly was impressive. And um, again, it it, it just <laughs> you go down this roster and you go position by position, and there's depth everywhere. And for him, you know, local kid playing really playing in Pieper Stadium for the first time to have the kind of game he had. Uh, sure, that, that that says a lot about his ability and, uh, and Penn State's recruiting.
1: It's, a, it's interesting you're talking about the depth part of it. Mm-hmm. I don't look at a, a football team as 22 guys. I look at 44 no. guys. Uh, right. I think that in today's football, how do you utilize 44 to 50 guys? to get yourself to the fourth quarter where then your best 22 can take over. And I think they're on track, Rich. I don't know how you feel. I think I think they're on track to have guys that can play where there's not going to be, quote, the drop-off if you go to the second mm-hmm.
2: guy. Well, let's just look at linebackers, for example. And, you know, yeah. Dan Johnson is a local kid who, who went to Penn State as a walk-on four years ago and worked his way up and became a starter last season. And and that's impressive, but I don't know if that would would happen again. And I'm not talking about Jan specifically. If a walk-on would be able to do that now, he's going to be between Micah Parsons and Cam Brown in all likelihood when when the season begins. And then look what's behind him.
1: Yes. Behind them
2: are um, you know players like Jesse Lecanda and Ellis Brooks, and then you go the two incoming freshmen, Brandon Smith and Lance Dixon. And you're going, wow! You know, linebacker was—you know—the depth was was, a, was a, an issue last year. It's not an issue this year, and just just at that position, it's, uh, it you know, it's, it's impressive to see uh, the kind of talent that uh, that Franklin is bringing in.
1: In fact, I'll relate just a very quick story sure. when Jack Ham and I would go to practices in the two thousands. One of the first things that we would do is we'd look at the third-team linebackers. Because the first two units were so good at linebacker, yeah. now you see, okay, what's in the pipeline for down the road? Mm-hmm. Well, in 12, 13, 14, especially in 13 and 14, Jack and I would, and I would go in and look at the first-team linebackers, and then we'd look at each other and say, there's there, not one of those three guys can get hurt. Right. 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 Now it is back to let's look at those third team guys. Yep. Wow. Yeah. They've got some yeah. players in the pipeline.
2: Right. Right. And that goes across the board. Um, you know, look at the competition on the offensive line, particularly at right quarter, where you have C.J. Holmes and Mike Miranda battling it out. And, you know, four or five years ago, after the first-team offensive line, there's a huge drop-off, and there's not—you yes. don't have that now.
1: That's right, exactly right. And now, so now let's bring it to the quarterback part because I want sure. to relate to what you just said. Mike Morandon, and C.J. Thorpe going head to head in the in the fall to see which one will get the majority yeah. of reps at that guard spot. Mm-hmm. So if you've got competition there in a wide-open spot doesn't it make sense that there's competition to the quarterback spot? Because technically that is a wide-open spot. Trace McSorley isn't there. Yeah. And I don't think there's any quarterback making an assumption, and I don't think the fans should make any assumptions about who's in first.
2: Well, I, I, I no, we shouldn't make an assumption, but I would be very, very surprised if Tommy Stevens is the starting quarterback.
1: Um, well, he's going to get every I, chance to win it. How about that?
2: Right, right, right. I mean, from James's perspective, I I, I get it. I get what he said Saturday. Uh, in fact, it was my question. I, told, I, I completely get it. I mean, he's every position is open. And we have a name to starter. But he also said some things, how much faith that the coaching staff has in, in Tommy. And, and obviously, Tommy has to be healthy. But yes. I think uh, for what Tommy has meant to this program, uh, loyalty he has shown this program. He's never complained uh about anything. And I think if he's healthy, um uh, I think he will be the starter. Yeah. Sean Clifford and Will Levis you That's know, true. uh mince No, no, no. I, I like Sean Clifford a lot. Um and really Bill Levis. This was the first time I had an opportunity to see him for more than a snap or two, and I, I'm impressed with both of them. And, and look at the depth yeah. there now. Um, yes. You know, compared to maybe when Trace and Tommy were battling out to be the starter in 2016, and after that, you know, wasn't depth wasn't wasn't as great maybe as it is now. So um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to. I, I I like. I mean. How do you replace Trace McSorley? He don't right. I mean, but, but I like the depth they have there, and I I, I I I'm really looking forward to seeing what Conley Stevens can do, especially when he's healthy. and I, I think we're going to see a big difference in the level of play in him this year as long as he's healthy.
1: I think that if given the opportunity, you, know, and this is going to be a guess on my part, you can, I think, openly ask the question about Tommy Stevens: that are we looking at the Mitchell Trubisky of 2019, where he gets that one, when he gets that one chance, uh-huh. and takes advantage of it? Now he has to make that happen, but I think it's at least a question to ponder going in because he certainly is talented.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think he has all the ability in the world, and you know, Steve, you know this better than me that in 2016 it, you know every a lot of people assume that Trace won the job hands down wasn't close when no. in fact it was pretty close
1: very and, close
2: yeah exactly so i mean i i i i am really I, you know I'm, it's hard not to root for somebody like Tommy Stevens for me for somebody who's stood by Penn State. Penn State stood by him, but he stood by Penn State, and I think he's got a lot of ability. Now, will we see that this year? I don't know. You know, Again, his health is the biggest issue, but I really, I, you know, I never thought about it in those terms, but I know he's thinking about it in those terms, but I saw something that he retweeted today. I list to the top 20 quarterbacks in the country, and he wasn't one of them, and I think people across the country are, are selling him short.
1: Well, again, I only brought that up because that was a one-year starter at North Carolina mm-hmm. who really took advantage of it. Now the yep. question is, will he? And I'm anxious to see if he can or he can't. Because here's the other part of, uh, that when I look at it. Number one, I, I really like Sean Clifford a lot. Mm-hmm. Not a little a lot. That's a very talented player. Mm-hmm. Uh, But, boy, we're in an era where I'd like to see a fifth-year guy succeed because we're in an interesting era where that doesn't happen yeah. very often anymore.
2: Well, yeah, yeah. Whether it's in football or basketball, but you're exactly right. You know, you know when you know Tommy Stevens knows the offense inside and out, and you know, look, look at the experience, look at the size factor, the, the you know the maturity level, yeah, and everything. And I, I would too. I, I, you know, um, I, I, you know, I, I, you know, like I said, we shouldn't root, but I would like to see him succeed. I, I. Uh, it's hard not to root for him, to pull for him. And, uh, you know, it it could be a really exciting year with all the the backs and the receivers that this team has this year and a a fairly experienced offensive line. um, You know, the potential is there to score some points.
1: And now let's get to Sean Clifford. I thought Sean Clifford benefited last year by Tommy not being out there every day. Because he got all the second team reps, I feel Will Levis this year is the guy that got the benefit of that.
2: Yeah. Well, well Sean, after the after Saturday, uh, Sean even said last week too, you know how much he benefited from getting you know, one reps this spring. Well, that conversely trickles down to Will Levis getting yes. the two reps, and you know, now you have you, you're going to go into this season or Penn State is with three. Guys, who the coaching staff sounds like they're very confident in. And, you know, I, again, I've seen Sean more than Will, but I, I, I really like throws the ball. I like the way he conducts himself. Yep. Um, you know, he got thrown in to a real tough situation in the bowl game, kind of a you know, sudden thing. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't put too much stock in through through of the patients. But the one thing that I think we all know is that he's got a powerful arm.
1: Did you get a gauge on team speed and the ability to run on defense?
2: You know, it's hard to, you know, in a scrim- inter, uh, inter-squad scrimmage, but if you talk to James Franklin or Luke Girani or Point Fry or any of the players, Micah Parsons last week on a teleconference, they're all raving about the increased team speed, especially on defense. And that can only help uh Penn State de- Penn, help Penn State's defense. And you know, I don't I wanna see what it looks like against a Michigan, Ohio State and Michigan State before I pass judgment but and, and before I could really know. But the potential is there. I mean I, I mean, some of the times that these guys are putting in um that, that they've posted are 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 pretty ridiculous. Um, you know, Parsons is one of them. And yeah, you know, I, I think you're gonna see a, a quicker defense, a more aggressive defense, and it's and something else that they've been working on, as you know, is um forcing turnovers. I think that's been a yes. big uh yeah, a big focus. And uh you know, I I think the defense next in, in the fall is going to be very good.
1: Well, it's going to be an interesting off season uh, leading into what could be a very interesting season. I always appreciate the time. I know you you fit us in today, and that means a lot. Thanks so much, Rich. Oh,
2: I love I Thank you so much for inviting me in, in, and. <laughs> i got to go out in uh, a real field of 30 degrees and cover a high school baseball game right now, so that's going
1: to be fun. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I know, because I, I, wa- I went outside to come over here, it's like, it's uh-huh. brutal out there, so you're yeah. a better man than me, but you yeah. can say that on a number of levels anyway. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. <laughs> Thanks, Rich. Rich Garcell, Redding Eagle. Boy, he's one of the great guys to have on the show and talk to. Great perspective. Yeah, when it comes to, again, let it play out. Tommy Stevens, Sean Clifford, let's let it play out. Let's see how it is the second week of August as to where they are, and then go from there. Uh, what's good is that you're choosing, in my opinion, in quality. And, I, and it's... And I'm going to get into that in the next half hour. Got Jerry Dulac on Tiger Woods in the 406 half hour. Then we'll talk with Dave Ciccini after that. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street and Sunbury on News Radio 1070 WKOK.
0: Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is The Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones.
1: All right, today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street, in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Purdy Memorial Golf Tournament on the horizon. Here it is, April the 15th. So we're coming up on, what, 23 days? 22 days, three weeks from tomorrow, we'll be at Penn's Tavern to talk about the Purdy Memorial Golf Tournament. And uh, three weeks from Wednesday, we're playing golf. I'm just happy I'm with a team that obviously wants me. After I was cast aside and uh, traded so quickly, here we go. Uh, I'm over. I'm, I'm just when you're wanted by someone, <laughs> wanted, right? And they feel that you can help them, and the other group doesn't think you can help at all. They I mean, to have to have the Sunbury Broadcasting Group sit there and, and pin their hopes on. On a, a guy that uses a gigantic umbrella on the sideline and, and covers up all the play. Um, you know, <laughs> just don't just don't see it. But I can't wait to spend the day with Steve Engel, Adam Purdy. Be good to be with people who are rooting for you as you're playing. As opposed to hoping you miss so that you can use a club that's illegal. I mean, I noticed that yesterday's Masters winner doesn't have a chutter. Nor did the other 140 people in the field. (laughs) I don't even think they sell those at Walmart anymore, do they? Uh, Way, way back,
0: back, back in the corner. Way back, out of sight.
1: Out of sight? Yeah. Well, it's kind of... Doesn't bring into play though the critical part, which I've tried to point out for years, called operator error. All right, uh, let's let. I want to get to Tiger Woods, then we'll get to the Blue white game. Uh, there are very few transcendent figures in anything these days, but Tiger Woods is absolutely one of them. It is interesting the where he is right now. He has gone from, and this goes from times where I've, I've, I've covered U.S. Opens. Now, the last one I covered, he did not play because he was out, he was hurt. But I've covered other U.S. Opens where he's played. And this is what I've observed in being around the crowd. You have a big section of the crowd rooting for Tiger Woods. You also had a significant section of the crowd rooting against Tiger Woods. And then you had the curiosity factor of, hey man, that's Tiger Woods. Now, after physical, emotional, and PR rehabilitation, he is absolutely beloved by everyone. Look at how that crowd reacted yesterday. Or I should say, the patrons. And you saw the same thing when he won at Eastlake. He did more for his sport yesterday than anybody has done in any sport. Bill Belichick has championships, Tom Brady, LeBron James. But Tiger Woods does more for his sport than anybody. And he played brilliantly. He played smart. He played patiently. Look, the fifth hole, he'd been driving the ball all over the place in the fifth hole. It's trying to, You know, you—you it's, it's, can't drive the hole. And it's a par four. You can't drive it. But, boy, you can get yourself with just an easy wedge in. So he kept using driver, driver, driver. I want to say it's 350 yards. And he finally just said yesterday, you know what? The heck with this. I'm going to hit a, an iron off the tee and then put myself in position. Molinari dumps the ball. And, of course, when Molinari put the ball in Rays Creek on 12, I said to myself, that's it. Tiger Woods is going to win. He'll win it. That's the kind of mistake where you sit back and go, Wow. What did Woods do? And it didn't matter what Molinari had done ahead of him. But what did Woods do? He put the ball in the center of the green on 12 and says, I will two putt my way home. And he did that across the board coming in. 15? Yeah, he picks up a stroke on 15. But again, where did he put the ball? In the center of the green. Nice, safe play, not going to do anything dangerous. He led the field in hitting 80% of greens in regulation, 80%. It was just a brilliant, intelligent performance. When he missed, he was hitting the ball to a spot where if I get it, great. If I miss, I'm in a good spot, which is a.k.a. the good miss. That's what he kept doing. Over and over again. He was brilliant. Jessica Marksberry joined us on what Thursday, and he he had three what well, four he had three putted four greens already. He, but you know what you know what he didn't do the entire week. He never once double bogeyed. He never double bogeyed. Oh yeah, he had some three putts. But he never double bogeyed beat a great field, now he's going to Bethpage Black. That's only a month away. Of course, where he's won, Pebble Beach. We've seen him destroy that place in his prime. But that was a wow moment. It's one of those wow moments. You notice even even Lawrence is going to talk about it on his show. But this is one of the great physical, emotional, and PR revivals I've ever seen. Everybody loves him. Incredible. Incredible, and you just—I mean, the crowd. You know, obviously, with his children, that was that was nice. You know, I know they make a big deal of it, but that's great. He's also 43, and I'll—I'll say this: Phil Mickelson has given him. If there's anybody's going to give him anything in terms of uh, the ability to compete in the 40s, it's Mickelson, because Mickelson has won a major in the 40s. 2013. Has won a tournament in each last two years, Mexico and, uh, obviously, Pebble Beach this year. But Mickelson's also contended in majors in his mid-40s. He contended at the Open against Henrik Stenson. He contended against Roy McElroy at Valhalla. So he's at, So he's contended. He's contended at the U.S. Open. Yes, he finished second again. So that's shown that in the mid-40s, there's somebody out there that has shown that you can contend in their mid-40s. And he now, after winning this one at 43, he has 15 majors. The door is reopened. Give him all the credit in the world. He had to work hard to get back to this point. He had to work hard. He also has rehabilitated his image with the fans because he signs a lot of autographs now. I told you the story about the, before about the charity tournament in Rhode Island where they wanted to do a silent auction item where they could get every living Masters champion to sign a golf ball. And there was only one that wouldn't do it. This is you know, Now, we're going back years. And he was the one that wouldn't do it. Well, things have changed now. If you ask him to do it now, he'd say, how many do you need?
0: And just all of his colleagues on the course, they were there waiting oh, yeah. for him to hug him and pat him on the back before he could even get into Butler Cabin to sign his card. I mean, that just yeah. spoke volumes there, too. Yeah. Wow. No other golfer gets that. And just that roar from the gallery yesterday from the patrons. Well, Man.
1: well you know what? I mean, Brooks Kepka, when Kepka beat him in the PGA Championship, and Tiger played very well, by the way, the PGA championship. And the crowd in St. Louis at Bell Reeves going crazy. Uh, uh, Tiger waited for Kepka when he came off the course. Right? See, that's where things have changed. Now he knows who was waiting for him yesterday. Kepka was. Doggone that putt Kepka missed on 18. Oof. That would have forced a playoff, that would have been something. All right, Penn State football. I'll get into the blue-white game. I'll talk about a couple of things in a moment uh, as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Purdy Insurance.
2: Outside and clean up the yard.
1: Yes, dear. Springtime means clean up time. Even at Sunbury Motors Ford, Sunbury Motors Spring Inventory Cleanup has begun. Once a year, SMC takes their entire new Ford inventory and prices them at levels not seen before. SMC is where you want to be to choose from 44 2019 Ford Escapes. This just in, Ford Motor Company and Sunbury Motors have increased the discounts on 2019 Ford Escapes. They're slashed to the lowest price ever. Offered to the general public now in an amazing 18 dollars SMC is where you want to be for 2019 Ford F 150s starting at just $25,899. And SMC has 66 in stock. SMC is where you want to be if you want a brand new 2018 Ford Focus for $14,905. Hurry into Sunbury Motors Ford in the Northwest Street Auto Plaza. All right, great to have you with us today. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. And let's talk about the blue-white game for a moment. It's a scrimmage. Now, the single most important factor in this scrimmage to me was the fact that they came out of it unscathed. I mean, nobody got hurt. So that, to me, is number one. That's how they came out. Because this is the 15th practice. There have been 14 other practices to take a look at before this, including 11 of the 14 uh, with pads. It was also the first time they were in the stadium. They had planned on going in the stadium twice, but each time they were going to go, and I think each time was a Saturday, it rained in the morning. They didn't want to get out in the field and start tearing the thing up because, and I didn't realize this because obviously I hadn't been in the stadium. I hadn't been in the stadium since November. Yesterday I was there for the paternal run. I emceed it, and then, uh, then Franco Harris got it started. And when it was done emceeing that part, I went into the stadium, so I had not walked in the field since since November. And, look, it's it feels going to need some work. It was not in great shape, to be honest with you. Uh, and the um, so for the 11 freshmen in particular and then the three uh, walk-ons, that's 14 freshmen they had never played in there before it is obvious Noah Kane had a really good day that's just a carryover from what I saw uh, three and a half weeks previous he is he has patience He is also very decisive. He'll go, boom, and then when he sees the opening he wants, he plants and he goes, and he gets the maximum out of the play. What was impressive to me about that kind of performance for him, and I I know I mentioned Eric Heffelfinger a couple times, Eric Heffelfinger was a really good scout team running back. A really good scout team running back. This is a highly recruited guy that a lot of people have hoped for who's still just a true freshman never played in a game. And he was able to go out there and put that kind of performance together against the number one defense for the most part. So he's going to be the standout of the game. I was really happy to see Brandon Smith play the way he did. The first couple of weeks he was kind of feeling his way through this whole process. Then the last couple of weeks it really started to Catch on and he's picked it up well because Lance Dixon's been good, I think, the entire time. And uh, and I was, it was great to see that. Somebody said to me, he said, "I know you said a lot of positive things about various players." Well, I mean, it's not my job to get out there and say, "Hey, by the way, X stinks." <laughs> now we talk about certain things they need to work on or whatever we talked about. Uh, you know, linebackers having to having to use their hands at the line of scrimmage better. We talked about receivers getting positioned and using their hands better. But then you talk about where guys have improved. Where are they improved? Can they help out make the team better? I'll give you an example: DJ Brown. Now, is DJ Brown going to fight for a starting job with Tariq Castro, Fields, and and John Reed? No, he's not. He's not going to be able to suppl- supplant to re-Castro Fields, and he's not going to be able to supplant John Reed. In fact, you know, Trent Gordon's right there, and Trent Gordon's going to get himself some playing time this year at a corner. But can D.J. Brown contribute somewhere? He can contribute somewhere. He might have a chance. I mean, Keaton Ellis, obviously, and nobody's really mentioned Marquise Wilson. But D.J. Brown's a good example of, look, first two years, with all due respect to D.J., Nondescript. Okay, yeah, then suddenly, in the bowl practice, and they mentioned this in the broadcast in the bowl practice, he made some plays, oh, wow, made a tackle here, play there, broke up a pass there I remember him specifically picking off a pass and running it back for a touchdown. sat there, and thought, mm-hmm. Wow, okay, it's interesting. Let's see how he follows that up, and it was credit. He was making plays during the spring. Sometimes the light goes on later for others compared to somebody else, or you get banged up, and DJ at one point his career has been banged up a little bit. But that's why he tried to point out to fans, like, okay, there's DJ Brown out there. Right? Here's a guy that for the first couple of years we didn't talk about. But now we're talking a little bit about him because there may be a spot on this football team somewhere where he can help because he's earned The look. He's earned the look. Is he a star? No. Is he a starter? No. Could he help out on special teams? Maybe. Could he help out as an extra DB if you need him? Yeah. But you talk about where you see where the progress was uh, in a player like that. You talk about the physicality of a Daniel George in a blocking play. Uh, We talked about Justin Shorter, whom I thought had a very good spring, you know, that, you know, guys like Shorter, and then let's take Zach Koontz. You know, you get into the red zone area, their length can come into play. Let's face it, when Penn State last year was putting out DeAndre Tompkins, Jahan Dotson, and KJ Hamler, three really good receivers, but also didn't bring a lot of stature. You had to fit the ball into a window for each of them. Mike Kosicki was incredible and so were Chris, was Chris Godwin, because they had the length at wide receiver and tight end respectively, where, guess what, I'm going to put the ball up here where only you can get it. If you're not going to get it, it's going to be an incomplete pass. But there's no way the defensive back's going to be able to go up and make a play if I put the ball here. Well, Zach Kuhn's a tight end, along with Friar, and Nick Bowers, who played really well. I was glad to see Nick play well again. And then you add in... Justin Shorter, now you've got some length in there. And to be honest with you, a guy like um, Daniel George, he's 6'2. Now you've got some bigger receivers out there. Now it's up to them to take the next step. The quarterback thing, everybody will talk about. I don't blame you. It's where everything starts. It's where everything starts. Tommy Stevens is going to his fifth year. I know you as fans have not seen a lot of Tommy Stevens. Obviously, I've seen a ton of him. Sean Clifford, same thing, right? You know, I've you know I I think it's safe to say that in a given year, in a year, spring and fall, that if you're a quarterback and you're not hurt, I probably see you throw five thousand passes a year. You like, 5,000? They throw a lot of passes in practice. In over four days, you might throw between 80 and 100 passes. Well, that starts to add up. So in a given year, I might see four to 5,000 passes from a given guy. And I, you, as you know, I've said for a long time, there's no doubt who throws in terms of aesthetically the best ball. And that is, you watch, I mean, Sean Clifford spins it. He spins it. But Tommy Stevens has a really good feel for the offense. We know Tommy's an excellent runner. He throws the deep ball really well. And if I'm going to pick anybody that benefited from all this during the course of the spring is Will Levis. Will Levis was able to get second team reps all spring with the exception of one day where he got the first team reps when Sean Clifford was sick one day. So we try to give you as many names as possible out there. And we try to give you as many... Evaluations of where they fit into this puzzle as time went. That I felt was our job on Saturday.
0: You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK
1: Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app.